Episode 10 of My Life is a Junk Drawer, Monsters Lurking in My Head, Part 1. Welcome to My Life is a Junk Drawer with your host, me, Sue Mangum. This podcast is meant to help you clean out the junk in your heart, soul, body, and yes, junk drawer. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, happy summer. Wow, we are well into July. I cannot believe that summer is just flying by. For us, it's halfway over. My kids will be in school in the middle of August, and a lot of my friends, I know their kids go back at the first of August, so the summer is flying by. I wanted to say that I am refreshed. I had a great couple of weeks off. Thank you so much out there. I still got lots of great comments on the podcast. I had lots of people telling me they missed me. And it was just a great time for me to be able to kind of regroup and get my creative juices flowing again. I really needed it. Um, a couple of things, you guys, this episode is super raw. It's super real. It is so truthful. This is uh, an episode with my friend, Sonia, who is a recovered alcoholic. And I just want to let you know, this episode may not be appropriate for younger ears. There's a lot of things that we go through that are mature content, um, there's a couple of swear words, which it's not too bad, but I just want you to know that we get deep and dark and we definitely go into some of the evils of drinking and what they've done. And so I just wanted to prepare you that this just might not be the episode to listen to in your car with your children. I also want to restate, Sonia states this in the beginning, that she is not a representative of Alcohol Anonymous. All of the things that we talk about are our opinions and what has happened to her and her life. So I just wanted to say that one more time. Alcoholism is a disease of progression. Sonia says it's really great when she said it's uh, genetics meets trauma. And that's where uh, the explosion of alcohol and its effects be so toxic and lead to uh, a dependency and an addiction. And without further ado, I'm going to let Sonia start this conversation. This is part one of two parts. We talked for so long that I really felt like I needed to break it up into two parts. This first part, she talks about how she became an alcoholic, the background of her life, how she came to realize she was an alcoholic and the beginning of her recovery and the steps that she had to take to live a life free of alcohol. Welcome, everybody. And Sonia, thank you so much for being here today. Hi. Hi. Can you tell me, we'll just start by, can you tell me just a little bit about yourself, please? I would love to. Um, I'm Sonia. I reside here in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. I am a believer. I'm a wife. I'm a mother of two... Um, I was going to say little kids, but big kids now, I guess. I'm a bit of a class clown. I'm a private business owner. And I also happen to be a recovering alcoholic. And uh, I just want to briefly mention before we get started that um, Alcoholics Anonymous is a part of my story. It's a part of my recovery. I am not a representative of AA. However, it is a program that helped me to get to where I am today. 
And I am not a professional when it comes to recovering from alcoholism, but I am just someone that is here sharing my experience, my strength, my hope with others. So I'm just here to be helpful and useful. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it so much, Sonia. Thanks for being here. It's very bold for you to come on and talk about this. It's not always an easy subject. And uh, I want to congratulate you on not quite four years, or but very, very close. Next and month. July will be yeah. four years. So we are so, you're so close. Oh. But um, take us back a little bit. Can you tell us about the times? Were you ever just a social drinker? Did it develop? You just started drinking more and more and more. Just kind of take us back to where it was. Sure. Okay. So, my goodness. Um, you start drinking at a very early age. You know, I I had um, a parent that made it very clear that he couldn't drink normally. And uh, so it was one of those things I always kind of knew in the back of my mind. I also had a grandparent that I was told growing up was an alcoholic. And so um, I knew that there was risks involved when it came to drinking. Um, and I dabbled in some alcohol in middle school. Like I think a lot of normal... Uh, young teens do, um, got in trouble for that actually. Um, and then by the time I was in high school, I really wasn't a drinker at that point. Um, I ended up actually at church and, um, I didn't, I would never have seen myself getting to the point of not being able to manage my drinking. So did I start off as a normal drinker? I would say so. I think drinking for me, in the beginning was something fun that me and my boyfriend did, um, you know, as a, at 18, 19 years just old. normal. Yeah, normal. like, just kind of had some fun here and there. Um, I, for me, though, I think the switch kind of started to click, and there was a change in my drinking when I used it to medicate myself, and that um, my parents ended up breaking up when I was 19 and I was in college. And that was a very painful experience. And I had a faith in God at that point, but I was really frustrated and couldn't understand why um, this was happening the way that it was. And uh, I was even told by somebody, like, if you pray hard enough, God will save your marriage. Uh, Or God will save your parents' marriage. Right. And I did pray really hard. And... God did not save my parents' marriage, and I was so heartbroken. And I also, I felt so out, my life felt so out of control. I was away from home. Right. I was off at college, and my home was no longer my home anymore. Right. Didn't know how to go, what to go home to. Exactly. And so for me, drinking at night became something that was a regular. Kind of uh, self-medicating. Yeah, because I was so, at night was when the crazy in my head started to kick up really hard and I would be like having these invisible arguments with my parents, like getting angry and mad or like even with God, like, like why, you know, like it needs to be like this and you need to do this and you know, all that why stuff. Why didn't you? Yeah. And so like to calm it or quiet it down, I would drink at night. And, um, for a little while that was the way it was. And then like, you know, I would have these brief times where I didn't have to do that anymore. And I would stop doing that. And, you know, certainly by the time I got married, it, it didn't really look like that. But then, like, around So 20, it might have been you felt like a rough patch that yeah, you kind of yes. just turned to alcohol. But then you're like, okay, we got through that. And now... 
Yes, absolutely. It really, it really, I thought, well, no, I'm not an alcoholic because, you know, I'm not drinking like that anymore. And so, um, yeah, I was just, I was just a kid in a lot of pain, you right. know, and, and this is normal, you know, on TV, everywhere you go, like people right. use alcohol to medicate, like you see that message everywhere. So, um, I'm no different than anybody else. Right. So then I get to, um, like I'm young married life and drinking every night, probably wine, two, two or three glasses of wine a night. Right. No big deal. Didn't right. think anything wrong with it at all. And then when I get pregnant with my children, I'm able to not drink. And so again, like that only confirmed this thought. <laughs> that I can control this. I can control my drinking. And um, I really didn't know very much about uh, alcoholism as a disease. Uh, being in like kind of different faith communities, I thought that drunkenness was just like a choice and maybe bad behavior, like, you right. know, that I needed to pray, ask for forgiveness for, and then use some self-control not to engage in. Um, but I didn't see it as like a brain illness where like my brain needs a substance or something that like my body and brain are like on fire for something right. and I'm not satisfied until I get that something. And then it's never enough. Like, you know, uh, yeah. And so for me, that is where, you know, after I had my kids, I would say, you know, I started transitioning from like wine to liquor more. And then, um, I would think, I would think to myself, okay, we got to cut back. We got to cut back. And I would have, like, I would do like, I'm going on a diet and I was able to cut back on my drinking and it was looking very successful. Right. And then, um, I would think, yep. I would think that ah, there's no problem here. There's no problem here. And then at some point I turned a corner, I'm saying 2013 or 2014 when my, my business took off and my husband was able to quit his job and stay home and really just invest in the business. We were working for ourselves. And that is when, and, and I had, you know, I, I had some playgrounds where like heavy drinking was sort of, you know, embraced. <laughs> right. And, right. And like, I was able, and I was able to drink the way I wanted to drink. And what that looked like was, you know, just drinking all the time. I mean, like, it was like, well, this doesn't have to just be in the evening. Uh, yeah. I can drink. At lunch. Know, at because lunchtime. everybody else is having margarita right. at lunch. Why can't I? And- exactly. And then even like. Like, you know, I work for myself. I'm my own boss. I'm a grown up. Like, right. you know, why, why not me? Like, you know, and so right. I had this entitled feeling and then it really just grew. I mean, I, I remember like the morning, there was a morning where hair of the dog too, like, um, you know, best thing for a hangover, a bloody Mary, exactly or- a drink. And, and let's put off that. Let's put off those shakes. Let's put off that sick feeling. Mm-hmm. Let's put that all off. Like let's, let's, you know push that down the road and let's just keep the party going. You know, a lot of it goes back to it's so genetically inherent. It is. I I believe, you know, this is my personal belief system. This isn't taught anywhere in Alcoholics Anonymous. This isn't that I know of. Um, Maybe it is, but I don't don't think so. And then I I heard someone say once that it's genetics plus trauma equals addiction. Uh, And so for me, I think that's probably the case too, is that it was, you know, genetics you know, I think I was genetically predisposed to uh, alcoholism, and also I did suffer from different traumatic events in my life. And you know, for me, alcoholism was a solution to the pain yes. and the suffering. Yeah, that's a great. That's that's. I mean, I think that's very true. 
Okay, I met you, gosh, maybe five to six years ago in Zumba. You know, that's where I meet everybody. Yes. And I remember Sonia, she was just so stinking funny. Like, you were always the life of the party. And at that point, I I just remember you were like, everybody like lived in this one kind of ritzy neighborhood. And she's like, well, no, I live in the other part of town. And, and it was like the biggest joke for a while because she was kind of on the outside. And I'm like, well, I don't live there either. And anyways, so I'm just going to share kind of a story about uh, what I remember one night. Okay. Uh, because as Sonia said, there was totally avenues where you were so very acceptable to drink heavily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we did have kind of a time, and I was still kind of going through my recovery, where... You know, we would just have blowout nights. And mm-hmm. it was, for me, you know, then I would take, you know, a week to recover from it. But we stayed at one of our friends' house, and we kind of had a pajama party. And I just remember everyone dancing and crazy. And then I kind of remember, this was kind of the first inkling. I'm like, wow, Sonia can really drink. And <laughs> she went, we kind of went from, and I don't know, I think you had been kind of drinking all day because I think we went to a brewery that day mm-hmm. and then we got home and then you kind of turned to some bourbon or oh, whiskey yeah. Yeah, and then I think you went and took a nap and then you came back out and you were still drinking and I was just like, holy mother of, yeah. whoa, she yeah. can drink. Yeah. But, yeah. but it wasn't really like I ever thought, you know, alcoholic. I just was like, man, she's got she's, a big tolerance. Yeah, she's powerhouse. Do you she's remember a, that? She, that girl built like a brick shit house. Exactly. I was like, uh, I was, yeah. at that point I was maybe even more impressed. I was like, holy. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I remember we had another mutual friend in that group that would be like, man, you are a bad bitch. Like, yeah. you know, like, Here we are enabling her. Yeah, you are a bad bitch. You're drinking whiskey straight. Like, yeah. wow. And I was like, so what? You know? Yeah. And and um, that's the way I did drink at the end of my drinking was I would just guzzle. I remember I brought I brought the handle of Jack, and I I drank I drank the whole thing the oh, whole wow. thing that weekend and and we were only there for two days right and I drank the whole thing wow because nobody else drank whiskey in that crew no and so actually one other woman but she didn't drink it and right. so um, yeah I okay so I remember meeting you at Zumba as well and. Zumba is definitely one of the, was one of the, and I still love Zumba so much. It's this like fun place where I can be really silly, really funny, and also extremely narcissistic and self-absorbed. And um, I'm that girl that's jumping up on the stage uninvited pretty frequently um, because I'm I'm convinced that this is what the people want. <laughs> <laughs> I must give the people what they want. Of course, yeah. Um, she is a fabulous dancer. Okay, just to just to let you well, know, no, one, no one's going to argue that. But yeah, uh, yeah I <laughs> um, that was that was uh, the way it was. And I remember you were right behind me, and you you have like this like way about you, or you look right into your eyes when you're, <laughs> when you're dancing and, and we're singing the songs and stuff, and it was so fun, and yeah, so my first time really partying with you, like my only real memory of really partying with you, Sue, would be when we um, went to that, we went to that one sleepover right. thing, right? and uh, yeah, I mean, look, 
that's the thing. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, we're not, I'm not going to say it wasn't like, right. it wasn't all bad. It's not all doom and gloom. Like, right. You know, <laughs> we did do, I do remember one other thing. And this is, we did a birthday shot in my car. Remember on my birthday, we were doing birthday Zumba. Do you remember that? And you and um, another friend and I sat in my car at 1030 in the morning. Yes. Oh, and, yes. And for me, I just was going to do one shot. And then I remember, I think you did like three. <laughs> and I was like, holy, you know, I was like this. I know it's my birthday and all, but and I don't, we so, were just kind of doing it. To, I was doing it because it was fun. It was loosening me up. And and I remember I was like, oh, OK, they're going to oh do a couple more. Gosh. So at that point, I thought, hmm. That 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 was a lot, but so when is your birth? When, when is your birthday? My what, birthday what was May. Okay, May. And so then, so that then so that must have I got sober two months later, right? And so I do the, think you're correct. So let me let me go ahead and say if your birthday was in May and I got sober two months later, there's a reason why I don't remember that uh, at all. I have no memory of what you're just what you just described wow. of, that, of of taking shots in the car. I know that I did take shots in the car a few times before Zumba, but that was on my birthday and that was in March. So I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember doing that in for you. But um, goodness, that's um, yeah. See that to me. I'm glad I got sober. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, I am too. That's, I am oh, too. Gosh. No, we're all okay. So let's move kind of on. All right. So now we're we're kind of laid the story. You're drinking or we're doing yeah. shots in the car for more than just your birthday. Yeah, definitely. And can you kind of tell me how things so got th- progressively worse? Okay. So probably in 2014, around that time, it was really when I just started drinking around the clock. And uh, it just really snuck up on me. I mean, it wasn't something that I ever intended to get to. Like, nobody wakes up as a young child and thinks to themselves, one day I'm going to become an alcoholic. No. Like, you know, like nobody... And nobody wants their drinking to get to that place. And um, but I had gotten to a place where you know wasn't just drinking at night anymore. I was drinking. I mean, I was waking up in the morning, especially when that summer hit. That last summer of 2015. That last summer hit. I would wake up, have a cup of coffee and a glass of whiskey next to each other. And I remember thinking, like, well, it's almost 11, so this is okay. Right. And. And, like, just continuing to make excuses or changing the stand, my personal standard for myself and what was acceptable when it came to my drinking. So were you hiding that from your family or were you drinking that kind of out in the open or? Gosh. Um, Did your kids, because your kids were pretty little, so maybe they didn't even understand. They didn't understand. They were five and six at the time. And I think that. Yes and no. I was I was drinking openly and I was hiding at the same time. Okay. So I would, you know, like in the morning before anyone else was really up and going, I would drink, you know, I would have some whiskey and some coffee together. And in my head, I'm like, I'm just helping myself not shake. Like, that's why I'm doing it. Because if I, if I don't, I'm going to be shaking and that's going to be uncomfortable. And it had gotten to the point, too, where... You know, if I didn't have a drink before 2.30, I would be shaking pretty hard and very uncomfortable in my skin. I'd be sweating and I would, I would be looking for a drink, you know, like with a panicked feeling inside of me, like I need to get a drink. I got to get a drink. So did that scare you other than your shakes? Like, did that at all feel like 
oh gosh, I might not have this under control anymore? Yeah, all the time. I remember, so I'm married to someone who's also in recovery and uh, he, uh, he, I would say to him all the time, like, I think, do we have a problem? Do we have a problem with alcohol? And <laughs> I don't know, Sonia, let's talk about that tomorrow. Like, we never right. dealt with it, you know, for a while. And so, you know, I, I think I got to a place where the idea of not having it was more scary than get, than having the problem. Yeah, than having the problem, you know, because that, that's the thing. It was like, yes, there's something scary here, but I have no idea how to live without this. Okay. And what in the world, like, how can I give this up? Like, it just was so, it was so terrifying that I didn't allow my mind to sit and rest on those thoughts for very long. Wow. Because um, I loved alcohol. I had a love affair with alcohol. It was my best friend. It was right. everything. It took all my pain away. It made me funnier. It made me happier. You know, it did all of those things right. for me until it stopped working. Right. Until it couldn't anymore. And then alcohol was a great liar. Uh, alcohol, alcohol lied to me. Yes. You know, and alcohol does. Yeah. And so I, I mean, I had gotten to the point, I remember that last summer I was drinking in the morning and there was a couple times, I still have this memory, a couple times where I would wake up in the middle of the night and I could not get back to bed. And I, by the way, like I was up every single night at 4am and I, cause you kind of passed out for a couple hours, you know, right? I mean, it was like, I, well, first off, when you're drinking as heavily as I was, your blood sugars are all out of whack. Oh, so, yeah. you know, of course you're not sleeping right. Right. And so I'd wake up in the middle of the night. I couldn't get back to sleep. And I, what I did that was sneaky. So, like, when I would talk about sneak drinking, sneak drinking looked like taking shots in the middle of the night, trying not to wake up my husband because I knew he would be very concerned about that. Right. Um, because I, need, I knew that taking shots in the middle of the night would help ease the anxiety that was rushing up inside of me and would also help ease whatever was going on and I would just mellow out just enough to fall asleep again hmm I remember like crying one night and looking up like different recovery apps on my phone to download and asking God like help me drink normally it was never like help me give this up but I would pray like God help me drink normally tomorrow I won't get drunk Okay. You know, I'd be like, God, please help me not get drunk tomorrow. I won't get drunk tomorrow. Please forgive me. I'll never do this again. Just help me not get drunk tomorrow. I'll make some big changes in my life. Just help me not get drunk tomorrow. I want to drink normally. What I could not put together was that I I am incapable of drinking normally. And so, to me, it was still bargaining with God at that right. point. Like, right. if you just help me drink normally, then I won't get drunk anymore. Right. But I never, you know, the idea was not... God, help me get sober and not pick up a drink ever again. Right. That was like, no, 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 no. God, you've, you right. know. Just let me, have, <laughs> let me have the normal, yeah. you know, want, four drinks. Yeah. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. And, yeah. I want to keep the puppy. Don't make me give it up for adoption, please. Um, and you kind of told me one time that it was, it became all about when you were drinking, how you couldn't stop. But then when you weren't drinking, you were always thinking about your next drink. Like, so it just completely. Yeah. yeah took over your brain at some point yeah so the thing that i've learned uh, about what alcoholism is is like when i'm drinking alcohol i have no off switch so and i'll say when i start drinking okay i'm only gonna have two and then at after two i'm like well what's just like another one's fine not a big deal like you know or like like they're my two or like giant heaping glasses of two right you know or whatever and i'm kind of 
lying to myself and I would, I would convince myself that I'm still staying within my own boundaries and I'm keeping my promises to myself Uh, when I was not. not. Right. And then when I wasn't drinking, I had this obsession of my mind that tells me, is there going to be enough alcohol there for me? You better bring your own. Um, When can I get alcohol? You know, man, remember when we couldn't buy alcohol on Sundays? Right. Every Saturday was like, quick, get, uh, run we gotta stock up for Sunday. Like, you know, like, you know, like it was, I mean, like I knew that. You knew I need this I, amount of alcohol to get through Sunday. Yes. Because absolutely. I can't run up to the liquor store and get some. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And so, and, and everything in my mind, whether I wanted to admit it to my innermost self or not revolved around alcohol. So it would be like, is there enough alcohol at that party for me? What time is it? Are they serving alcohol yet? Will there be alcohol? Do right. they, you know, like all. And if there's not going to be alcohol, I'm I not going to bring go. my own, oh, or I'm going to bring my own. Keep a flask. Like I did right. get to the point where I was keeping a flask in the bag. Probably one of the big red flags for me. Probably the most embarrassing moments I had. And this is another story from our group of friends. I'm trying to remember when their birthday was. There's the Triple M birthday, and the you know, like the there's there are three people oh, in that November. have a birthday. It had okay. been in November, probably. Okay. So we had this party. Everyone's drinking wine and, and maybe other little mixed cocktails. No big deal. And I brought a flask. And I was drinking from a flask in the bathroom. And and one of our friends was like, and I got blackout drunk. And super blackout drunk. I And I that was probably one of the only times I, I had this like huge section that I just could not remember that night. Didn't know what I said. Didn't know what I did. All I the only memories I have from that night were um, videos that people showed me. Oh wow! Yeah, and that's scary. It is. Yeah, and um, and I remember the next day. Did pop- any nobody caught you in the bathroom drinking? Yes. Oh. oh, yeah. One of the friends did. She went through my bag to look for my phone and saw the flask in there. Oh, and it was funny because first off, I was really embarrassed I got to that point so of like course. I did this typical like call, making my rounds calling people up apologizing because I'm not really sure what I said or did the day before right and so I felt embarrassed and humiliated about that and then the next thing too was I got I had a phone conversation with the friend that found the flask because people were asking wow Sonia only had a bottle of wine How right she had to get so, so drunk oh. Sonia only had a bottle of wine this other friend said there may or may not have been a flask in her bag. And so she let the cat out of the bag. So then I felt super freaking embarrassed, as you can imagine. I'd been caught. And so I called her, and she was like, honey, I I found your flask in your bag. And I was like, oh. Like, I just, my heart sank. I just humiliated. And she said, you don't, you know, you don't have to do that. You don't have to sneak drink. Like, we're friends. Like, if you want to drink like that, like, you can just drink out in the open like you don't have to hide your drinking so she didn't think it was <laughs> unusual do you think or was she just saying that i don't i don't know i think i think people don't so know. she didn't even at that point say you have a problem <laughs> or well this for no yeah, um, okay but okay. like i think she should just <laughs> how that's see that's like totally crazy to me so yeah and it is to me now too in hindsight however right. i think at the time when you love somebody you don't really know what to say you it is very true it's like 
maybe I could find myself doing something like this too. And I think it's confusing. It's like, wait, right. we've all seen you drunk, Sonia. Like, why are you getting, why are, and I think too, it was because I, like looking back on that, I know why I was drinking in the bathroom from a flask. Right. Because I wanted to drink more than just a bottle of wine. And everyone else was able to just drink a bottle of wine. Right. And I was like, that's... I know that's not going to be enough. That's not me enough for me. And right. so I wanted to look like I was just drinking a bottle of wine. Right. And being just like everybody else. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, though, I got to a place where things were wildly out of control, drinking in the car. Ugh. And that's the thing, too. So I really had convinced myself... This was normal behavior. Right. I mean, this is a disease of perception. Yeah. So, and alcohol is just a symptom. Right. And so the thing is, is like, I really believed that everyone was drinking and driving at the same time. Oh. And I have a little funny story I'd love to share about this. And I don't know if non-alcoholic listeners are going to find this very funny, but it is, it's the truth. Um, being married to an alcoholic too you know, we enabled each other. We enabled each other, but we lied to each other too about our drinking. Right. So we would, but we were also in it together. So we would hide bottles for each other, from each other, with each other. Um, that is the way it went down. Um, he has two more days sober than I, I do. And so, um, he, he's been amazing in this process. I'm really grateful that we're both able to be sober today, but he, so he said, so one day he's taken one of the kids to school and he finds these um, half pint bottles of empty bottles of whiskey in the center console of our car. And he called me and I could tell by his tone of voice I was in trouble. Right. And he was like, Sonia. I was like, yes. Like just barely waking up. And he goes, there are empty bottles of whiskey in the center console of our vehicle. And I was just, the, just dead silence. And he said, are you drinking and driving? And I said, that's it. That's all I could do is just exhale. And then I said, I'm sorry. And he said, you can't be doing this. Promise me you won't do this anymore. You cannot be drinking and driving at the same time. And I said, you're right. I don't want to become an alcoholic. I do that I might become one so oh, I better my, stop yeah doing that. oh my gosh and um I said I don't want to become an alcoholic I better I better chill out and not do that anymore so here's what my solution was Sue okay what did you do I wanted to keep my promise to my husband okay except for that I just was so uncomfortable in my own skin I needed alcohol all the time just to function in life right I I might know where the story's going yes <laughs> I think I told it to you before so I promised him I would never drink and drive at the same time right so I would go to the liquor store and I'd pick up our handle of uh, whiskey um, every other day. Like that was what I did. I picked up a handle every other day. That's where we had gotten. And but I would pick up two half pints for myself, and I would start to open that half pint up. And I remembered, oh, I gotta keep my promise to my husband. So I would pull the car over, put it in park, drink the half pint, throw the bottle out the window, oh my gosh. and then start driving. And I really believe that you weren't drinking and driving. Yes. Because you weren't t- physically drinking and driving. Yes. You, you had stopped the car and... Yeah. yeah. And and so in my oh mind, my I was like, I'm keeping my promise. I'm not lying. I for sure have enough alcohol for myself this way. 
because um, I was always afraid he was going to drink my share. So I would always buy these extra little. Uh, wow. Like, because we would always count each other's drinks. Too. Uh, like, how many have you had? How many have you had? Hey, you had four. I've only had three. Like, you know, like, right, you know, just right. like oh constantly keeping tabs. And so this way, if I had these little half pints, I knew that I had enough, you know. And then I realized, oh, gosh, like, you can't know about that or whatever. Right. And so and then so you would destroy them. And if I threw them out the window, there's no evidence. It didn't happen. Right. And that's the thing that's so crazy. Like, oh now gosh. as a sober woman, I can look back on that and think, what a ridiculous, like, how did in the world did you think you were being honest? But at the time, I really believed I was being honest. Yeah. You know? And so... Just the continual lies. In oh, your head. so many little lies like that. Like, I can't go to a parent teacher conference without a drink. I definitely can't go to Zumba anymore without a drink. I can't go hang out with friends without a drink. I can't do my job without a drink. I can't wow. do life without a drink. I can't even go to church anymore without a drink. Like, wow. it just turned yeah. into this thing where it was like, I, this is, I remember praying, like, God help me. And I'd be like, this is just how He made me. Oh, you know? Wow. I mean, I had conceded, like, this I, is just what's going to go on. And I was sick all the time. I had, Sorry, but I had I had diarrhea all the yeah. time. I don't. I'm not afraid to share that. I was physically ill yeah. all the time because your gut is your gut is just eaten up. Yes. yes. And I could not. I knew. I just couldn't conceive myself giving this up. And there was this moment in our lives where just some real crap hit the fan in my marriage, and he said. I can't live like this anymore. I have to quit drinking. And I looked at him and I said, screw you. This is not the time to quit drinking. Right. This is not a good time for me. Yeah. (laughs) And so I proceeded to drink for another two days and it did not numb my pain. And then you realized. And then, and I had, I had a friend I sat down with and it was a Monday night. She said, Sonia, tell me what's going on. Like, what, what is going on? Right. You know, just like, holy crap. And I was like, I'm drinking around the clock. I don't know how I got here. I did, It didn't used to be this way. It used to be right. just a few glasses every night. I'm, I'm drinking at lunch. If I'm not drinking at lunch, I'm shaking. I need to have a drink by 2.30. Drinking in the car. Sometimes I make two-go cups for myself. Don't you do that? I asked her that. Don't you make a two-go cup for yourself? And she said, no, Sonia. Right. And I said, aren't you drinking every day? She said, no, Sonia, I'm not drinking every day. I said, well, aren't you? Like, I would start naming them off. And I said, and then she said, Sonia, hold on a moment. If God himself came to you tomorrow and said, look, here's your two kids on one hand. Here's a handle on the other. You need to pick right now for the rest of your life. Which is it? I started to weep. Right. And I said, you you don't understand. I can't. I can't give this up. I cannot give this up. You don't understand. I cannot give up right. alcohol. I cannot do this. And then I just started weeping and I said, Oh my gosh. For the very first time, Realized. out loud, Oh my God, I'm an alcoholic because what mother would, would even wrestle? That was a great that? question that she asked you. I mean, that, because that really hit home to you. It, it was my white light moment. It was definitely my rock bottom when I realized I am not the mother that I say I am. I am not the woman that I think I am. I am a liar. I am not who I say I am. How did I get here? Right. And that was my last drink that day. And the next day was my first day sober. And that was July. My first day sober was July 21st, 2015. 
Wow. And so did you go to a, a meeting like right at that? Did she like get you in the car or? So I went, I drove home that night. <laughs> Probably not great, but uh, I did. And um, I. Because at that point you probably have to go through like real detox, right? Withdrawals. Oh, and I did. Okay. Um, so. So tell me a little bit about that time. Okay. Yeah. It was very uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable on my own skin. Um, you and I were not as close yet. You were kind of like, I feel like when in our group of friends, like you were, you like you were phasing in when I was phasing out. Right. And so, uh, like, and I really, I didn't party as much as you guys, like you guys did a lot of that. And I came in like, you know, once every maybe week or once every mm-hmm. two weeks, I wasn't in that big circle of, of all of that. Yeah, and not to, I, I'm not putting myself on know, a pedestal at all. I just had two kids and a new marriage, and you know, well, as, I, you know, I should have too. <laughs> I should have also had that, those. Values. But they'd be like, "Happy hour tonight," and I'm like, "Sorry, I can't make it." And then no, the next day, they're like, yeah. "Okay, we're meeting at the pool." And I mean, like yeah. they they were they were pretty hardcore yeah. for a while. Yeah, and I was the. I mean, there was definitely I was the heaviest of. I I I could be wrong about this. I don't know everyone's story, but I was definitely one of. I took it really hard. I took I took alcohol to the very edge right. of the Obviously, limits, yes. as hard as I could. You know, I drank as hard as I could, as far as I could at every opportunity. Right. And um, okay, so you left. You left your dinner. You drove home. I drove home. I went home to my husband. And you I said, said I'm an alcoholic. I said I'm done. I'm not going to drink anymore. The next day was my first day sober. I come to. I go to a different recovery program. And uh, I was a fellowship at my church and uh, where there's mixed issues. And uh, I get there and I'm so excited and I'm grateful. And I'm two days, this is now two days later after. So you just went cold turkey. So I, you know, in hindsight, Sue, really should have gone to the hospital. Yeah. Well, that's um, what I'm, I mean, cause I know at that point, not, I mean. Not the best decision I ever made okay. as far as like looking back on that. Like I was shaking really hard. I mean, to be around the clock drinker, drinking yeah. whiskey around yeah. the clock. I mean, like, physically. Yeah, you can. Um, coming off alcohol like that. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, I made whatever excuse to not do it. Um, I ended up writing an email to our friends, letting them know that I had a problem. I needed to get help. Everyone was super supportive. Was right. Really grateful for that. Right. Um, said they still love me. No big deal. They understood. And so I was like, I'm gonna have to step away for a minute. Please don't make it personally. And so, uh, I ended up going to this other program and, um, I started telling them about my drinking. I'm shaking like a leaf and I am shaking hard and I'm swaying and it's been two days without a drink. Oh my gosh. And um and this is a Wednesday at this point. And she she said, so this woman sees me shaking and she goes, hold on just a minute. Um hey, you, you, you. Like she looks around the room and points out a couple people she knew were recovering alcoholics. And she's like, come here a minute. And then she asks me and my husband, because we went together um, hey, now, was he as bad as you? Was he shaking and sweating? So, he too? was vomiting a lot and he was okay. detoxing. So, yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. his drinking was, you know. So, you both kind of look we, like. We were in bad shape. <laughs> yeah. And, and our drinking was, his, his drinking was just as, you know, I, would, I would, he wasn't yeah. drinking in the car as much as right, me. Right, right. But. I just was wondering yeah, how he was doing. Yeah, he was also so. struggling too pretty bad. So, okay. it was a rough time, Sue. Um, I, yeah, I can't uh, imagine. It's a miracle I'm married. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so he, uh, so he, so, okay. So they so, asked okay. us about our drinking. Right. And I let him know I'm drinking around the clock. And they're like, maybe you need to get to the hospital. And I was like, nope, not going to the hospital. And they're like, okay. So that was, a, was that a pride thing? 
Or it just was an insurance a, thing. Oh. <laughs> I mean, like, so yes. Uh, I understand yeah, now. I That's can, clear, yeah. Yeah, I was like... I, I can't afford it. I cannot afford to go to the hospital, which is not a good excuse. And if you um, are drinking heavily and, and you're shaking when you're trying not to drink, um, get to the hospital because it could be a matter of life and death. So I just want to say that because... It was really yes. foolish of me not to. Um, and looking back on that, it's a miracle that I didn't, you know, have a seizure and really hurt myself. But, um, you know, that was this, this is the truth. This is the truth. This right. is what, what it was for right. me. Um, so they, they said, you need to get to the hospital. And I was like, I'm not going to the hospital. And they said, okay, well, you're going to need to go to uh, 90 meetings in 90 days at, at Alcoholics Anonymous. And I said, no. Like not doing that. And I just, I just thought like, I don't, I'm not going to need to do that. I don't want to do that. And they're like, if you were drinking the way that you're saying you're drinking, going to one meeting a week here at church is not going to be enough for you. You're chemically dependent on alcohol. You need, um, you're going to need way more than what we can offer. This is a great place for fellowship. We want you here. Please keep coming here, but you need more than what we can give you. Right. And to this day, I'm so grateful for that wisdom that they gave me because it saved my life. Right. It really, really did. Um, so then the next day, day three, and I had not gone three days without a drink in years at this point. Wow. Was the day that my brain was really on fire. Oh, really? And I was waking up at four in the morning, couldn't get back to sleep. I was feeling panicked, stressed, I was pacing, I was sweating. And I was starting to have thoughts. Maybe I made a terrible mistake. Maybe I'm not an alcoholic. Maybe I can have just a couple of drinks. Right. This is ridiculous. I'm a grown up. I should be able to drink if I want to. And I knew I was in serious trouble. And so I ended up reaching out to a friend that I knew that shared sort of the same faith and belief system that I had also had gone to Alcoholics Anonymous. Good. So I had reached out to her and she uh, got me a phone number to Central Office, which is where you can get a list of meetings and different things like that. And she said, call that number and they'll help you. Um, I'm in a meeting right now or else I would take you. And I was like, okay. So I called the number and they got me, they were like, there's a meeting at 1215 and a meeting behind a Taco Bell. I was like, okay, um, meeting, meeting place behind Taco Bell. And I get there and, um, I picked up what we call a white chip, which is like a surrender. And, um, I, I have been sober ever since. I mean, I'm still, I'm still sober, um, from that day, but it was, uh, when I got there, I was very scared. I was more scared that I was going to drink again than to do what they told me to do. And I was confused and it was scary. And I didn't, I, I remember saying, I'm not going to make friends with any of these people. Right. I have enough friends. I don't need any more friends. And these are my closest people now in my life because we all have this common goal. Right. We shit, we have community. Right. Right. And, and I cannot stress enough how important community is for all of us, whether it's at a church or a gym or a a neighborhood neighborhood or, or or like even people that have a common cause and feel passionate about, you know, the homeless and they, they are together serving and volunteering and trying to help the community or like when a group of people come together with a shared goal, like to me, there's so much power in that. That's where God really shows up. And for me, I found that community at Alcoholics Anonymous. There was people there that told me things that hurt my feelings um, a lot because there was a lot of stuff. Like I had shared just a few minutes ago, I was lying to myself about a lot of different things. Right. And I was in rough shape. Right. And uh, my behavior was crazy. I didn't know how to behave. And so it's, you're not going to fix it overnight. I mean, it took. No, I mean, I'm still fixing it. (laughs) I almost have four years. So 
Like I, I'm still discovering things about myself in this process that are not so pretty that need to be cleaned out. You know, the thing too is there was people there that offered their hand to help. I reached my hand out and I said, please help me. And there was just a lot of people there to help me. And they're like, here, we'll tell you what to do. We'll show you the way. Follow. And I was like, okay, whatever you say. And I was, I was desperate too because I was so scared. I was so scared to. I couldn't even watch TV, Sue. Wow. Because when I would see liquor on the TV, I'd be like, oh, I need. I had pity. It's not food. Right. Drink. They can drink and I can't. Yeah. Why is that? And I could still taste it on my tongue. Oh you my know, gosh. like I could still taste the liquor on my tongue. Like I wanted it so bad. You know, I had that obsession still. It was so wow. fiery hot in my brain. I was obsessing about drinking. And how long did that last? The obsession of my mind was not removed. Like that obsession to want to drink or to think about drinking was not removed until I got through the steps. Okay. The thing about AA is we have a 12 step program that, right. that we do. And right. So it wasn't until I really got through them. And I was about halfway through them when um, I was like, wow, I just saw a commercial and didn't even think it looked right. tasty. Like, right. or wow, like I was around alcohol and didn't even look at the glass, like, or whatever. Like, right. like just the problem was being removed. And it is a gradual process. It's different for everybody, by the way. It's not the same. For everyone that it was right. for me, but uh, it really took me just diving in and just doing the work. And I was, like I said, when I talk about being desperate, like if you had told me to push a nickel with my nose out in the parking lot, that would keep me sober. I would have been on my hands and knees to do it. it. Because at that point you were just like, what? Just tell me what, what to, I do. Need to do. Everything I'd ever tried prior failed me. Right. And these people knew how to do it. And so I'll, I'll just do it. Because right. at that point it was like, is it life or death? Yes. But also... I was at risk of losing my family, right. my home, right. my business, right. my vehicles, and I hadn't lost any of those things yet. You know, I never got a DUI, never been arrested. Right. All those things are waiting for me if I pick up a drink. Right. But I just hadn't had any real consequences yet, and I was terrified of having those consequences. So that was what kind of kept you going in those well, dark moments. Absolutely. I mean, even that rock bottom moment of God or the kid or the kids or the liquor, kids or the liquor, you know. You know, I had the thought like this, these are my, I don't want to lose my life. Right. You know, like I don't want to crush my family. I don't want to leave. I don't want what I'm doing. What I'm doing right now is not working. I don't know how to stop. I need help. Somebody show me, you know? And so, and I know that's waiting for me. And it looks like, you know, for me, like if I get these moments of amnesia where I think drinking sounds like fun and it's usually when I'm romanticizing the fun times that we had right. together with alcohol, I'm not thinking about the times that my children had to emotionally caretake for me. Right. I'm not thinking about the times where my kids weren't sure what kind of mother they were going to get right. that morning. Right. I'm not talking about the eggshells that people had to walk on around me because my behavior was so volatile. Right. You know, um, and it's completely unfair to ask our children to caretake for us emotionally. And yet that is what I was doing with alcoholism. You know, there's a lot of parents that will say, I'm not hurting anybody with my drinking. I'm not hurting anybody. I was doing a lot of damage with my drinking. Right. I'm very clear on that. Sorry for the abrupt ending, but that was just the best place that I could end this episode. We're going to call it a cliffhanger and hoping that all of you will be on the edge of your seat and can't wait to next week when we go into more of Sonia's recovery. She realizes that she has 
created so much damage to her life. And now she is sober. She is living a life that is full and fun. And she's being the mom that she realizes she wasn't. And it's just an amazing, amazing story that continues. She also helps others with their recovery. She's helped some take steps to get into a program. And she shares another full 45 minutes with us. And I'm telling you, it's just as good as this. I want to make a couple of disclaimers. I think at one point I said I only had two kids, which I know I have three. And I don't know why that rolled off. Also, just because of, you know, my guilt, I've only done shots one time before Zumba on my birthday. And truthfully, I only did one shot. It was just supposed to be something really fun for my birthday. And um, I just didn't want all of you to think that that's what I do. So until next week, guys, I will see you later. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. If you like it, you can go over to iTunes and subscribe and give me a rating. You can also leave comments and questions. You can also find me at suemangum.com or mylifeisajunkdrawer.com. Hope to hear from you soon.